Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. I've been meeting with Pastor Josh of recent times and um, it's my privilege also to be a part of the men's ministry team down at um, Grace Life Malaga. And so uh, a few weeks ago, I was listening to uh, one of the young men who had grown up in a Christian home and had regularly attended church and how he had strayed, gone as a lot of young people do, even though they're brought up in the hearing the word of God, go through the Sunday school or children's church ministry. Anyway, this young man's in his 20s and he was just sharing how his father... Uh, took him along to a, um, a meeting where there was testimonies. It was part of the Shalom House Ministry, and uh, it was a testimony night. And he went along and he and blew his back doors off. It literally, God got a hold of his heart and turned his whole life around through listening to these men's testimonies who had, grown, who had um, been involved with drug addiction, alcohol uh, addiction, violence, various other things, lost nearly everything in their lives, and now they're having a second chance at life through the ministry of Shalom House, which points straight to Jesus. So we, um, uh, Trevor and I, and also Dave, uh, who's also involved with this, we said, why don't we, uh, he said, how about we have them come and do something at Grace Life Malaga? So on the 28th of May, uh, 28th of June, sorry, this month, 28th, it's a Tuesday night, it's going to be a men's testimony night. It's going to be their ministry. They're going to feed us it's $10. It'll be the best $10 investment you could make. And if you're a father of a son who is a teenager, he needs to hear what they've got to say. Because I, my son grew up in a, in a uh, I pastored churches. He heard the gospel, everything else like that, but he went astray. He ended up selling drugs over in Queensland, was going to be, uh, um, lost the drugs. He was in a total, uh, he was in total mess came back to Perth and uh, was in and out of the FIFO scene and it never helped him until the gospel, until he was in the place where he heard the gospel. And I want to tell you, if you're um, uh, in any way interested, come along on that Tuesday night. Bring someone else that you may know who needs to hear this. Bring your sons. Bring uh, bring other people in your neighbourhood. Do, they don't need to be strung out in drugs. They don't need to be you know, al- uh, addicted to alcohol. They just need to hear the testimony of what Jesus Christ can do in someone's life. It's, uh, it's really important that we register. You cannot just rock up on the night because they are catering for us. Shalom House are doing everything for this. So if you, uh, we haven't got a sign-up sheet here today, but if you want to sign up, you can uh, email info at gracelife.com.au and we can pass that on to Trevor and he'll be able to pass it on to those guys. So it's $10, it'll be a tremendous investment and it's the first of a few new testimonial uh, uh, initiatives that we're going to bring up. You're going to hear this word testimony a lot because nobody can argue with your testimony. Nobody can argue with your testimony how Jesus has reached into your life and touched your life and the church is not a country club for the saints. 
this country club is quite cold. I think you should do something about the country club for saints if this was a country club. But it's not a country club for saints. It's a hospital for the sick and those who are sinning and in their life they're struggling with the sin of their life and we need people to come to the wonderful knowledge some people just hurt they don't even know they're sinners they're just hurt (laughs) they've got no idea why they're struggling in life this the church is the avenue for Christ to minister to them so we need to share our testimonies so we'll be doing that more and more and you'll hear about that as we go all right the gospel of John how many people have enjoyed it Give me a wave if you're still awake. Hallelujah, you're still awake. Oh, I haven't lost you. Amen. I, over this 21 days, um, many of us would have had some truths, new truths revealed to us. Maybe some old truths uh, re-inspired or reinvigorated in our lives. We would have uh, seen some different things, each one of us, but we also would have received some similar re- revelation from Jesus as we... I mean, to exercise yourself to just concentrate and meditate and pray through a portion of Scripture, it gives God an opportunity to speak to us. Amen? And so we come to John chapter 21. And, you know, as I prayed into this, there's a number of ways you could preach this portion of Scripture or even this chapter. But the chapter begins with... uh, John, uh, sorry, Peter saying, I'm going fishing, mate. He said, I've had enough of this. I don't know what's going on. His head's in a spin. And he says, I'm going fishing in verse 3 of John chapter 21. At that time, seven of his compatriots or six of his compatriots go with him. And, you know, it's interpreted different ways by different people about what John actually did. But the inference by some is that he was reeling and feeling at a loss and he goes back to what he knows. So while he's down there and they've been fishing all night, Jesus comes to them. There's a lesson right there. Jesus comes to them. The reason I'm saved tonight today is not because I went to Jesus. (laughs) Jesus came to me. His spirit reached out to me. He organized all sorts of things to bring me to the place of conversion to Christ. So Jesus comes to them and these blokes have had a fruitless night. Sometimes life gets a little bit fruitless, doesn't it? You just think, what is, what is the meaning of this? Getting up, going to work, coming home, having something to eat, watch a little bit of TV, maybe read something, go to sleep, go and do the next thing, the same thing the next day. So they go, so they end up, you know, they've been fishing all night, these boys, they've had a hard time, and then all of a sudden, some bloke on the, on the shore sings out, have you caught anything? <laughs> they said, nah, we've been here all night. Chuck your nets on the right side of the boat. Now, you can interpret that all sorts of things. Is it the right side or is it the right-hand side? And so they do. They chuck their nets out there. All of a sudden, all the nets are fill, filled with fish. To be, And, you know, this is the only time in Scripture where they count the fish, 153 fish. 
I went fishing one time outside Sydney Heads as a teenage boy. I think I was about 12, 12, 13 years of age. My stepfather, soon to be my stepfather, took me outside Sydney Harbour, out past the Heads, and there was a huge swell. All I did is give them... And they caught 100 fish that day. They were happy for me to give them the burley because they were catching a lot of fish. But they caught 153 fish. All of a sudden, John says, it's the Lord. Peter says, if it's the Lord, I'm going. So he jumps out of the boat and starts swimming to shore. It's 120 metres offshore. He's impulsive. He gets to the shore and, uh, you know, the boys drag the nets in and they drag the fish up and Jesus already has fish. He doesn't need anybody to go fishing for him. He's already got it. So rich, this portion of scripture. But what follows is the restoration of a fallen man. And sometimes that's exactly what you need to hear. That Jesus is the restorer of lives. When we've messed up, he is the restorer. Peter, as we remember, had denied Christ three times. And if you read one account, it says that Jesus looked at him when he did that third time. Man, I don't know about how he'd handle that. I don't know you, Ali. I don't know you. I, I, I don't want to know. Looking at someone and saying, I don't know. How would you feel? I love the gospel of John because it just brings to life, the gospels bring to life the life of Jesus. So Peter denies Jesus three times and then the restoration of this fallen man as he says, when Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Three times and he's restored. Again, these portions of scripture have been preached many times and in various ways. But the Lord not only restores Peter, but commissions Peter to the ministry of reconciliation. Feed my sheep. Pastor people. Care for people. And then John, as he brings this account to an end because what happens is Peter says, What about that bloke over there? <laughs> what are you gonna do? What, what's gonna happen with him? Okay, I'm gonna put my arms out and they're gonna take me where I don't want to go, and I'm gonna I, I don't know what that all means, but what about him? <laughs> Typical, isn't it? That's just us. Jesus is speaking to us, and then we sort of want to deflect. What about that person over there? What about that person? And Jesus and, well, John records that Jesus ends the argument or the discussion by saying two words. Follow me. Follow me. They're the last words that John records that Jesus said in his gospel. Then John says this statement. And I want to just, 
I, I, my attention was drawn to this statement. Listen to John chapter 21, verses 24 and 25. It says, This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. He's talking about himself, but in the third person, right? And he says, There are also many other things Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And then he says, Amen. As I was praying into this message about this uh, sermon, I, I couldn't get away from a particular theme that had struck me all the way through Scripture, all the way through the Gospel of John, and that was the theme of believing. I wonder if you believe that last statement. Think about it. John's saying, I am incapable of writing down everything that Jesus did. I don't think there's anybody in the world that could have written down everything Jesus did. That's what he's saying. And throughout this Gospel of John, I'll tell you what captivated me. It was this theme of believing. Do you believe that Jesus did more than what we read in the four Gospels? I do. (laughs) It's just four four different perspectives. And the the perspective of, of Mark was through Peter's eyes anyway. And so these four Gospels as they come and uh, they present the gospel of Jesus Christ or the life of Jesus, John particularly focuses on one, he has themes. If you have a look, you can track all these different themes through. I don't know if you, I, I, I was captivated. I kept seeing believe, believe, believe. Everywhere, every, every chapter I'm reading, I'm seeing believe. In fact, the word believe appears 60 times in 53 verses. The word believed, as in past tense, appears 23 times in 22 verses. The word believing appears three times in three verses, and that makes over 85 times in the Gospel of John in 21 chapters that the word believe is mentioned. I'm captivated by this. The three chapters where it's not mentioned are the one we just uh, uh, skimmed through, which is John chapter 21. The other two are chapter 15 and chapter 18. Chapter 15, Jesus talks about fruitfulness and love. And chapter 18, it's the betrayal, arrest and crucifixion of Christ. So out of 21 chapters, now remember there was no chapter breaks when he wrote it. (laughs) I don't even know if he put paragraphs in there. And if he wrote it the normal way, it was backwards, (laughs) right? And so as he he writes this, there is no chapter breaks. And I, I kept seeing this constant theme of believe, believe and believe. So bearing in mind there's no chapter break, Let's look at the last two verses of John chapter 20. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. See, that's exactly what he said in chapter 21. Which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, 
and that believing you may have life in his name. So I want to take you on a journey for a few minutes, if you can just bear with me. We're going to go on a journey from the start to the end, following this theme of believing. Because my sermon's entitled, Believe It or Not. Many look up the television show. They had a few believe it or not television shows. They even had a, a, a freak show that used to go around America and do it and all sorts of stuff. But I found that term, believe it or not, and kept coming back. Do I believe that if I wrote down everything Jesus did, I wouldn't be able, I couldn't, I couldn't actually do that? Do I believe that? Do I believe everything I've read in this Gospel of John all the way? So this theme of believing starts in John chapter 1, verse 12. Okay? For as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. John chapter 2 and verse 11. This, the first of, of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Okay? So chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, it mentions it three or four times, and I'm not going to read every verse, but verse 15, it says that, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. There's a theme. John 4, 21, Jesus said to her, this is the woman at the well. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming, and when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem Will you worship the Father? He's saying, believe me. He's appealing to the woman at the well to believe him. John 4, 41 says, and many more believed because of his word. There's a momentum here. John 6, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus meets our need. Jesus is. Do you believe that he can meet every one of your needs? Or you, have you got a credit card with about $20,000 on it? Do you believe that Jesus can meet your emotional needs? Do you believe he can meet every need? He is, he is the bread of life. He is the one that, that quenches our thirst. He's the one that meets our emotional, mental, physical needs. You can read that scripture. You can meditate on it. But do you believe it? John 6 and 68 and 69. Simon Peter answered him, said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Is that your confession of faith today? John 7, 8, uh, 38, whoever believes in me in the scripture, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I'm alive today, not just physically but spiritually because of what Jesus Christ has done for me and I have said, I believe it. John 10. And many followed him. 
John didn't perform miracle signs, they remarked to one another, but everything he said about this man has come true. And, they, and many who were there believed in Jesus. Skipping forward to John 17, it says, I, do, I, did not, oh, sorry, I do not ask for these only. This is, this is the Lord's Prayer. But also for those who believe in me through their word, Father. That's the word of testimony. It's not just for these only, but for those who are going to believe through their word, through their testimony, through what they tell others. I pray that all who believe in me can be one. You are in me and I am in you. I pray that they can also be one in us. Then the world will be me. This flowing of believing is coming through Jesus, through the disciples, through the testimony, 2,000 years of people believing this word. And we come to today and there are going to be people who you know in your social circles, who you know in your family, who will come to believe because of your testimony and what you can tell them about Jesus. If you're waiting for them to come to church, that might never happen. Jesus went down to the beach, remember? He went and found them. Jesus said, go out on the highways and byways and find them. And tell them about what's happening. Someone said, ouch. The Apostle John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, reiterates this theme time and time again throughout the gospel. And I'm not quoting all those scriptures, but that's part of the journey today. And he's seeking to inspire us and to inspire the readers to believe beyond what you see and what you feel. Isn't that the centerpiece of the gospel? We believe in a God we cannot see. In a saviour that we believe died on a cross and we never saw the cross. But I've been there spiritually. To believe in the Son of God who left heaven to live among us, to love us and to give his life for us. But this theme of believing also has a contrast. Because as much as he saw people believe, John, and he believed, he also documents for us those who didn't believe. Those who refused to believe even though they saw the signs of Jesus and the powerful miracles. John 5.38 says, but you do not, this is Jesus, you do not have his word abiding in you. He's talking about the Father's word and he's speaking to the religious people. Because whom he sent, him, you do not believe. It goes on to John 6, 29 to 30. Jesus answered them, again the religious people. He said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who has, uh, whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Jesus was raising the dead. <laughs> Jesus was feeding 5,000. Jesus was, uh, uh, he was just exampling the word of God. He is the living word who exampled for us the written word and he's doing everything and they're still not believing. In John 3.18, it says, He who believes in him uh, is not condemned, but he who does not believe in is already condemned. 
because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's noteworthy that even when the religious leaders are publicly interacting with Jesus and the common people heard him, they said, we're going to believe him, we're not going to believe you guys. There was a stark difference, a contrast. John 8, 30 in the New Living Translation says, Then many who heard him say these things believed in him. Another contrast comes in John chapter 7 and verse 5. It says, For not even his brothers believed in him. Some of his family thought he's lost the plot. Jesus has lost the plot. I think my family thought that when I first became a Christian. They thought it was either a phase or I was on a new drug or something. But they said, oh, yeah. Uh, we, uh, my dad, uh, my stepfather, he said, what are, you, what are you doing? Especially when I said, I believe God's called me to preach. <laughs> and we left the confines of Darwin and the security of a, a beautiful uh, job. I had a Commonwealth government job at the time. And uh, we just pulled up stumps and went and planted a church in Townsville, Queensland. What are you guys doing? The, the family said. They didn't believe me that Jesus had transformed me. Neither did Jesus' brothers believe in him when he's saying all these things and doing them. Others did not refuse but simply struggled to believe. Some people don't make a, a personal decision not to believe in Jesus. They just struggled to get their head around the idea that the Son of God came and died on a cross and was resurrected. But the contrast also extends further and extends to Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas. A lot of people call him Thinking Thomas because he rationally thought about this whole idea of Jesus rising from the dead. He said, nah, <laughs> can't happen. The, the Romans killed him. There's no way. In John chapter 20, the Bible says, The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see the hands, uh, in his hands, the prints of the nails, and, in, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, listen to this, I will not believe. Thomas saw all the miracles, yet he said, Nah, it can't happen. <laughs> It goes even further if you read in the New Living Translation of Mark chapter 16 and verse 14. It says, Still later he appeared to the eleven disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked, their, uh, rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief <laughs> because they refused to believe those who had seen him and after he had been raised from the dead. They're talking about Mary. They're talking about Mary who ran back from the tomb. I've seen him, I've seen him, he's alive. Woman, you're beside yourself. The culture of the day, did you know that no, nobody wanted to believe a woman's testimony in those days? It wasn't legal to believe. You had to get a bloke to back him up. And so here, Jesus chose a woman to, to, to bear the testimony. She runs there and says, he's alive, he's alive. Woman, you've lost the plot. But Jesus rebuked their unbelief. So when you're struggling with, with believing, you're in good company. 
I read this illustration. I love it. I've shared it before at Malaga. I don't know if anybody's heard it before, but I'll share it again. Two boys were playing on a hill, running around, having a great time. And the sun was going down on the hill. And anyway, they got puckered out and they just plopped themselves down. Two teenage, young teenage boys, 13 years old, and they sat there and uh, looking out at the sun. And one says, see how far the sun's moved in the sky? It was up here before when we were started playing. Now it's down here. The other one said, mate, the sun didn't move. We moved. No way. The other boy says, I didn't feel us move. The other one said, my father told me that the earth moves, not the sun. And I choose to believe my father. That's where we're at when it comes to the word of God. It's a choice to believe the word of God above what you see and feel. Talk to you secondly about the challenge, believe it or not. One of my favourite portions of scripture is John chapter 11. (laughs) The raising of Lazarus from the dead. Oh boy, it gets me excited. I love this story. It's just one of the, it's it's my favourite chapter in the whole Bible, I reckon, John chapter 11. That's why I was excited when when Pastor Josh announced this series on John. John chapter 11, verse 23 to 26. This is, he's, first thing that you can pull out of this is it reflects a personal relationship Jesus had with common people. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they're siblings. And Jesus has a personal relationship with them. So anyway, he's, he, he's not very far away, but Jesus hears that um, uh, Lazarus is sick. He says, no, nah, I'm not going. You guys, it's going to work out for, for, for God's glory. We'll stay here a couple more days. He ends up getting there on the fourth day of Lazarus passing, four days earlier. He's met by Martha and she says, uh, and, 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 and Jesus said, you know, uh, you've got to believe that everything, you know, she says, why weren't you here? Why didn't you come? Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Oh my goodness, that's the Lord. He's challenging him. Do you believe that I am he? That I am the resurrection and the life? Anyway, she says, yep. I do, but I don't know how much he believed it because then they head down to the tomb. Where have you laid him? They go down to the tomb. John, 20, uh, 20, uh, sorry, John 11, 39 and 40, it says, take away the stone. Martha says, I like the old King James, but I'll read it in this version. Martha says, uh, uh, Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by, ne- by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. In the old King James, it says, surely, Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> right? He's on the nose. He's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? That's a word for one of you to hear today. I feel the Holy Spirit on that one. Did I not say to you 
that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. God has a glorious uh, opportunity awaiting someone here today. If you'll just believe him, you might be facing all sorts of difficulty. You might be facing impossible circumstances. But Jesus is about to release a miracle for your life if you will believe him. I really feel the Holy Spirit on that one for you. John 14, Jesus said again, do you believe? It comes up time and time again. The challenge is clear. Believe it or not, I can raise the dead. Believe it or not, I can change your circumstances. Believe it or not, I can speak to you from the Word of God. Believe it or not, I'm listening to your prayers. Believe it or not, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'll show you the way. I'll show you the truth. I'll show you what real life is. John chapter 20 verse 27 and 28, this whole story about Thomas again, it says, Jesus appeared and said to Thomas, reach your finger in here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered with those powerful words, my Lord and my God. John asks us to believe his testimony. The Gospel of John is a testimony. An eyewitness account of who Jesus Christ really is. And that's a challenge to us, to believe it. John asks us to believe that there is more that could not be written, that there was more that Jesus did, but there's more for your life. Some of you think, ah, It's cruise time. There's not much more I can, I can experience in life. There's more for your life. Do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus can do more in your life? The truth is we live according to what we believe. Ooh. We live according to what we believe. That's why this journaling and um, just uh, meditating on the Word of God, this whole thing wasn't real hard for me because I've been doing it <laughs> for the last 38 years. And that's coming from a guy who couldn't read. I was in the bottom 5% of readers in year seven and the top 5% of TV watchers. That's why I can tell you about all the good TV shows that used to be on and all the old black and white movies. And then when I got saved, they gave me a, new, a King James Bible to read. And I'm thinking, what the heck? <laughs> but I read it. And by a miracle of God, it stuck in me. Because I began to say, I need to know what he's saying to me. James chapter 2, verse 19, listen to this. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. <laughs> demons are believers of sorts. So just don't say, I believe and not live it. The difference between a demon and us is the demons don't live anywhere near to what, what Christ lives. If we believe the gospel, it'll affect the way you live. 
You're going to start loving like Jesus loves. You're going to have compassion like Jesus had compassion. This is why reading your Bible, and I find that we are living in a time where there is a lot of uh, biblically illiterate people that I meet who go to church. I love the fact this morning that Mike corrected me on where that portion of Scripture was that he, that he quoted this morning. It wasn't Psalms 22, it was in Zechariah. Uh, uh, Zechariah 12. There's a man that knows his Bible. And it's not just a matter of knowing how to quote the Bible, it's knowing how to practically apply the Word of God and believe what you're reading. I love the Bible. I love the, the practical application of the Word of God. I love being able to say, well, the Bible says. John challenged us that if we believe the words of the Bible, we'll live like him. Jim, we will love like him. If we go, we will go and testify like John to what he has done in our lives, then others will find the truth as well. John 19.35, and he who has seen and has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you may believe. Believe it or not. Finally, and someone says hallelujah, let's get to the third point. <laughs> Believing and blessing. I always love finishing with blessing and victory. The great promises of Scripture belong to those who believe. Let that one sink in you. The great promises of Scripture belong to those who believe. John 14, 12, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to be with my Father. Today is Pentecost Sunday. We believe we're going to go into a series on living in the Spirit and we want to encourage and inspire people to live in the Spirit of God with the fruit of the Spirit and in the gifts of the Spirit. Plenty of room to move for all the preachers that have been preaching over the next few weeks over living in the Spirit. But can I tell you, it's an elusive thing to try and live in the Spirit all the time. But what did Jesus say? He said, if you will believe, you'll do greater works than these. I think that was manifest on the day of Pentecost, wasn't it? 3,000 souls came to Christ on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 were not only said, we believe, but followed the Lord through the waters of baptism. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit followed by miracles and healings through the New Testament church is an inspiration to us. We are a New Testament church. We're living in Acts chapter 29. John chapter 20 verse 29 says, Jesus said to them, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed. Blessed are all those in Ellenbrook Race Life today who have not seen and yet believe. Blessing upon you when you believe when you have not seen. That's what Jesus is saying here. For Lazarus, Mary and Martha, what a blessing. <laughs> Jesus cries out, Lazarus! The first mummy. 
before they made movies about it. He comes out, he's got all the, he's got all the, all the uh, 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 grave clothes on and surely, Lord, he stinketh. And he comes out and, they, and what does Jesus say? Loose him. That's what Jesus does. He takes all those spiritual bandages and tr- spiritual restrictions off you and re- brings you new life, resurrection life. Oh man, you can preach on that for a while too, couldn't you? And then, he, and then he says, and give him something to eat. Poor bloke hasn't had a meal in four days. <laughs> He's got worse smelling breath than me. And then it says in John chapter 11, and mind you, all the religious guys were there right at that time. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary to see Mary and had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. What a blessing. I was listening to the radio. I listened to Christian radio. There's a Christian radio station, Vision which you can get on 88 or 87.6, depending on where you are in Perth. Streamed out of, uh, it's 24-7, uh, 100% Christian contact, uh, uh, content, and it's streamed out of Brisbane. And so I was listening to a testimony this week, and the testimony was a guy by the name of Andrew Jobling. Andrew Jobling was a, a uh, 1980s AFL player. He played for St Kilda. And um, he uh, had... Uh, uh, had had a loose Christian affiliation over the years, um, but he spent his life looking for significance. That's why he became an AFL player, applied himself. After that, he became a trainer. He was looking for recognition, acceptance. Uh, after a number of decisions, he found himself $100,000 in debt no recognition, no acceptance, everything he had tried in life failed and he came to a place of brokenness. Darren Gim at the men's breakfast um, last week, he said, when you're shattered, it gives an opportunity for Jesus to shine the light through those breaks. That's what he does. When you're broken, he, gets, he shines light into your heart and truth and life. Anyway, Andrew Jobling was there and he tried living for the Lord a number of times. But listen to what he said. He said, the constant thing that plagued me is I just didn't believe that God could love me. I wonder how often people come to church and they think, can God really love me? Because the way I live doesn't really work. And what the gospel says, uh, what the testimony of Andrew Jobling is, in that place, he cried out to Jesus like he'd never cried out before. And he said, and the words of his testimony were, I found the love of God to be real. You need to know that God really does love you. With all your hang-ups, it's not because of your religious stuff that you do, coming to church, doing it. He loves you. And you need to believe it. Because sometimes that's the hardest thing because you live with yourself and you know how bad you are. It came by the revelation of, of someone's testimony. It came by the revelation of the word of God. 
and it came because of a miracle that Jesus broke through in Andrew Jobling's life and it blessed him and now he's sharing that blessing everywhere he goes. I believe Jesus is the is, is a saviour that saves, but I also believe he restores. And that story of John, uh, Peter, sorry, in the Gospel of John, Peter's restoration, let that encourage you today. He's a God of restoration. I believe that Jesus is, uh, believing brings a blessing of eternal or everlasting life. If you ever hear that Brett Gaffney's died, don't believe it. Billy Graham said, I'm copying Billy Graham. I'm more alive than I ever will be once I pass from this life. I believe I walk out of this life and into the next. Glory to God. Into the eternal habitation with God. I believe that living for Jesus brings rivers of living water, spiritual life. I believe bring, uh, that living for Jesus brings um, a satisfaction and joy. I believe it brings freedom from condemnation. I believe also that it brought all the disciples to the place where they found the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. You know what positioned them for the day of Pentecost? Believing the words of Jesus. They did nothing between the day that Jesus ascended to the day that they were, got the infilling of the Holy Spirit. They did nothing except pray and stay in that room because they were in fear. You could hear their knees knocking from downstairs. They were in fear of the Jews, the Bible says. They had the whole place locked up. Yet 120 people in the, in the upper room that day were filled with the Holy Spirit. How did they position themselves for the blessing? By believing. Acts 1, 4 and 5, it says, And being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Remember? The, the promises of the word of God, are, they're, they're ours by, by believing in him, which he said, you have heard of me, for truly John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, when the day of, fully Pente of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They positioned themselves by believing in the power of God. And the power of God for their lives. I want to give you a quick testimony as I close. We're going to have communion in just a second. I grew up as a, uh, I was sharing just before service. I, I, I grew up in a Catholic church. I went through the whole Catholic scene. I went to, uh, I, I'd go to confession once a month. Confess every time I'd sworn, every time I'd stolen, every time I'd, I'd done stuff, I'd detail everything. And I'd go into that little confessional and say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned one month since my last confession and these are my sins. And I'd tell him all the sins. Then he'd say, say, say five decades of the rosary and do the stations of the cross. When I walked out of that confessional, I felt good because I confessed my sin. But by the time I walked out of the church and I was on my way somewhere, I was swearing my head off again. Because there was no real change in me. Not until the day that I gave my life to Christ. March the 13th, 1983, where I gave my life to Christ, repented of my sin, and Jesus came into my life. I believed that the Son of God could save a wretch like me. And I'd done some wretched things. 
today you have that opportunity of believing that testimony right there and you can have the same experience. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment as our brother will just come and play the keys for us for a moment. If you don't know Jesus, I'm asking you to believe my testimony that you need Jesus. You need him. If you don't know him, you can know him. If you've never asked him into your heart, why don't you ask him today to come into your heart and forgive you of your sin? It'd be our privilege to pray with you today. I don't know the spiritual state of anybody. You you can't tell by looking at someone whether they're a Christian or they're not, whether they're a true believer or they're just a church attender. You know, I've been to a lot of football games over the years, but going to a football game doesn't make me a player. Same as coming to church doesn't make you a believer. We want to invite you to believe in Jesus. Put your trust in him for salvation. Ask him to come into your life. Say yes to Jesus today. John bears testimony that he was the son of God, that he died, was buried and rose again. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 9 and 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you want to ask Jesus to come into your heart, why don't you lift your hand just quickly so I can see it. Nobody looking around. This isn't to embarrass anybody, but I just want to remember you in prayer. Just put your hand up and acknowledge your need. And, I, and by doing that, you're saying, just remember me in prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer in a minute. And you can pray. I see that hand. Thank you very much for your honesty. You can put it down. Any others? Maybe you've been to church. It doesn't matter how many times you've been to church. But you're saying, yeah, I want to believe in Jesus. I want to put my trust in him. I want to accept him as my saviour. Right across this building, back to front, side to side. Who'd be honest to join this one heart and accept Christ into your life? Can't see that hand. Any others? Any others? Praise God for honest hearts today. Accept Jesus into your life. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to me, man. Believe my testimony. Jesus Christ is real and he changes people's lives. Communion's not salvation. Reading the Bible's not salvation. Not even lifting your hand. Any religious thing you can think of. That's it's saying, Jesus, come into me. Be my saviour. Be my Lord. I'll put my trust in you. Anybody else? Join these two quickly before we go any further. Okay, I see that hand. Thank you for your honesty. Praise God for that. Any others? Quickly. Jesus, the Spirit of God's moving. If you feel convicted of sin and you know I need to repent, I need to give my life to Jesus, I just want to accept Jesus as my Saviour. I want to put my trust in Him. Praise God. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're going to pray a prayer. We'll pray a prayer as a church. Will you pray this prayer with them? If you put your hand up, I want you to say this prayer quietly or you can say it loudly. It doesn't worry me. You can say it whatever. But the rest of us as a church are all going to pray this prayer. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came and you died on a cross for my sin. I ask you to come into my life. I put my trust in you. I'm asking you to save me. 
and forgive me of my sin. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And I ask you for your help. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.